Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Spaghetti Fiction Podcast. I am your host, Alyssa, and today it's just going to be me. I decided I wanted to do something a little bit different and it's something that um, took a lot more work for me personally than something that we usually do for episodes. So like obviously if you do listen to the podcast, you know, we just talk about one movie and you know, talk about the background of that movie and, and so on and so forth. This time around, I wanted to talk about a documentary series that resulted in two movies. And I thought that, you know, this would be a perfect time to do this. Of course, during the time of recording, it's, you know, mid-October. These episodes are going to be coming out in November, um, which I'm very excited about. You know, I never really have done like themed kind of episodes like for a, a holiday or whatever. But let me let me get to the point here. So I decided I wanted to talk about a docu-series called The Chair, which was on Stars back in 2014, which resulted in two movies being made that were kind of sort of centered around Thanksgiving, but they weren't exactly Thanksgiving movies. But that was just kind of like part of like the setting, like what time of the year it was all set at. So I thought, okay, yeah, let's talk about that. And one of the movies, as most of you know, is Shane Dawson's Not Cool, which I definitely have a lot to say about that movie, um, but we will get to that later on. Um, so kind to kind of break it down for you guys, I'm going to be doing a two-part episode. This first episode that you're listening to now is going to be about the documentary series The Chair and kind of dissecting and analyzing each episode and just kind of talking about all that. And then, you know, part two is going to be about the resulting movies, Not Cool, and the other contestants movie Holidaysburg and comparing and contrasting those two movies. I hope you guys are, you know, excited. I was like a sophomore, junior in high school when all this was going on. I didn't have stars at the time, so I wasn't able to watch the the series. But at the time I was a I was a D I was a fan of Shane Dawson, so I was kind of keeping up with all that. I, I'm gonna have some biases in here. Not because I like Shane Dawson. I don't like him. I'm not a fan of him anymore. And you know, if you really want to go into all that, I'm sure there's like other people who have talked in depth about him and his past and present controversies. I have no interest in talking about that. I just want to kind of make it clear right now, I don't endorse him, I don't support him, and um, that's the end of that. It came out in 2014. It was produced by Chris Moore, who was a um, executive producer on Project Greenlight with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, which was a similar concept kind of docu-series. I didn't watch that one. I think it came out around like 2001. I was like four years old when that came out. So of course I didn't watch it. Um, I'm thinking maybe I can go back and watch it later on because it's on HBO. So I don't know, maybe I'll talk about that in a future episode if I think it's. The idea of this TV series is to follow two first time directors and their process of directing their first feature film, which is derived from the same script. The two competitors are Shane Dawson and a indie filmmaker, Anna Martimucci, who also apparently now, according to her IMDb page, she goes by A.M. Lucas. Zachary Quinto had signed on to, you know, be a part and help uh, delegate the series. His uh, production company before the door pictures had signed on and the original script was called How Soon Is Now, written by Dan Schofer, who appears throughout 
the series, we're going to walk through some, like highlight some of the main people so we kind of already know who's there, right? Of course, we have Shane Dawson and Anna Manamuchi, and then Chris Moore, the producer who's on a lot, who's on all the episodes kind of overheading the entire project. We have Corey Musa, who's another executive producer. We do see some of Zachary Quinto here and there, um, but he wasn't here during the full process. And of course, we have the original writer, Dan Chauffeur, who's there, who we're going to be talking about a little bit later. Anna's husband, Victor, we see periodically throughout the series, and her brother-in-law, Philip, who is actually one of the actors in her film. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go episode by episode and kind of hit on them. Uh, the first five episodes I watched a few weeks ago, I took a break and I just finished watching like the last five episodes today. So the last five episodes are pretty fresh in my mind, hoping that I can remember most of them. We'll see how that goes. Okay, so episode one, The Experiment. I'm going to be reading uh, each plot summary off of IMDb, so just be aware of that. Two first-time directors, each starting with the same screenplay and budget, which I believe was $850,000, struggle to shape the script to fit their vision. Shane Dawson, a YouTube star, prefers a raunchier comedic style, whereas Anna Martimucci, an independent filmmaker, hires her husband and brother-in-law to help rewrite the script. Shane heads to Pittsburgh for pre-production while Anna fears leaving on this journey by herself. So obviously from the start, we kind of get like a different perspective from each person that is competing here. Shane really does not like the script. He is uh, having a constant like battle with Dan Schofer, the screenwriter because he wants to change so much of it. And Dan is like, no, I, don't, I really wish we didn't have to do that. You know, I really don't want to like change it and, and make it so different from the original screenplay because I put a lot of like heart and, and shit into this. And so, you know, like the first, you know, 15 whatever minutes, we base, they're just basically setting up the competition, you know, going through the rules and things like that. And then there's just like very different script directions that are being taken. As I said already, Shane going more raunchier, teen comedy, and Anna just like wanting it to be a very like indie kind of uh, serious film. I actually haven't read the original script. I'm planning on reading it to kind of prepare for the next epi the next part of this that I'm going to be recording later on. Um, I did find it on Kindle for like 99 cents. So if anybody wants to go read it, there it is. Just so you have something to compare these two films to. You know, we already kind of start seeing Shane's attitude towards everyone else. But so, you know, during this first uh, episode, we can already kind of see Shane's like negative attitude towards everything. Like he's very hard on himself. He's like, I'm not going to do well, blah, blah, blah. And then him and the his producer, Lauren Schnipper, which you probably know from some of his older videos and when he had first started his podcast, which is now defunct, ended up having a talk with some of the other producers about getting script writing credit or screenwriting credit for Shane on the movie. It was this whole argument because if I am remembering correctly, Dan Schofer was signed on as like a union writer or they had some kind of SAG contract. They aren't allowed to add more writing credits to it because it's his. Um, it, it would, it would kind of like Something would happen. I don't remember. I'd have to go watch the episode again, but I'm really not interested in watching the episodes. 
it's just a weird kind of thing to talk about, in my opinion. Like, he already made the decision in this episode where he wants to be the main character. He's also directing. He's also playing, like, two or three other side characters. And so that kind of shows that he's got a lot on his plate. You know, you can see the hesitancy with the the other producers where they're like, yeah, I don't know if that was a really good idea for him because this is his first feature film and blah, blah, blah. And, and I totally yeah, agree with that. Like, you know, putting all of this stuff on yourself, especially when, like, directing an entire film is such a huge job and you have to, like, be able to, you know, just, like, get on it. And, and sometimes you just can't do that. I don't really have much notes for season or episode one because it was mostly just kind of setting up the entire, uh, you know, contest. And so episode two is titled Dollars and Decisions. Securing financing for each independent movie proves to be challenging for executive producer Chris Moore. With the money issues looming, Shane questions if his film will actually get made as an important location falls out. Anna wrestles with time management and receives some unexpected news about a key hire. Now this one I do remember a lot about um, because it was very frustrating. So Anna, from what I've seen in this series, is that she's very, you know, indecisive. She's not really sure of herself, doesn't have a lot of confidence in, in herself. She was struggling with like rewriting, rewriting over and over again her script and getting closer and closer to that deadline, but she was still like rewriting. And I think a lot of this was actually in the first episode, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. And it was frustrating the producers of the show because they wanted her to hurry up and, and get out to uh, Pittsburgh to start the pre-production process and casting and all that. Something that really frustrated me was that I believe Dan was the one who was supposed to be rewriting the script for the directors. And she was kind of like taking this kind of job and putting it on herself, creating more stress for herself, which I feel is completely unnecessary. But I also understand from a filmmaking perspective that this is your film, it's your baby, and you want to have creative control over every single aspect. And I totally, you know, feel the same way in films that I've, you know, made or short videos or whatever. Like, I want to be there for everything. I want to edit it. I want to direct it. I want to screenwrite it, everything. And so I can kind of see that struggle there. But when you're on a time crunch and the more time you waste, the more money is being wasted. Like, you really have to, like, step up your game and, and be okay with that final version of your script and get ready to start the rest of the process because they only had like I think six to eight weeks to do pre-production film edit and that in and that's it right and usually for most feature films you do have a lot more time to kind of do these things you don't necessarily have a bigger budget and I know there's a lot of indie films that have small budgets around that amount or even lesser this episode also is like very nerve-wracking because they don't have the fun and it kind of shows to me not necessarily looking at the competitors but looking at the show as a whole it's like they weren't really prepared for the actual show itself they were still working out the kinks as they started filming and I'm not sure if they wanted to do that on purpose as like a meta thing like this is an indie thing inside of an indie film or whatever but to me it just kind of shows that they just didn't really they weren't really exactly sure what they were doing and I just feel that it could have been better you know definitely something that needs to be worked out beforehand we kind of start to look at some of the things that 
Shane's doing, the way he acts on camera, his, you know, his humor is really juvenile. We all know that from watching his videos and just seeing. We get introduced to the line producers who basically are the ones who handle the budget of the film and make the itemized list of, you know, this is how much things are going to cost for locations, etc., etc. And we kind of have this this long talk about Shane wanting to do vomit and blood gags, um, which is another issue I have with the show as a whole, is that they focus too much on certain things that are definitely unnecessary. Just, it feels like it's kind of like fluffing it out and like it's, it's not really like, they want to they wanna get to that time limit, but they don't have enough footage because most of it is like super fucking boring, right? And so they're also talking with American Eagle about, you know, filming in one of their stores and getting, possibly getting some free clothes from them. So that will help lessen their budget. Interesting, I guess. And so my notes so far for Anna was that she's under, like, she's not really confident. She's indecisive. And then we see Shane's personalities, crude jokes. We can see some of the judgment in the way he speaks again, because it, it is very negatively he seems like the kind of person that just wants to quit really easily. Like the second things get mildly hard, he's like, well, this is not going to happen, which for me is very frustrating because as a person who has like, who wants to see, regardless of whether or not I like the person, if I'm watching something like this, we're watching them like a person, you know, work to accomplish their goal. I want to see them keep pushing and and becoming like, you know, having this like strong drive and will to continue fighting. And it is very frustrating uh, from an outsider's perspective to see somebody want to give up so easily. And the fact that uh, his producer, Lauren, had to keep, you know, trying to comfort him and tell him, look, you know, these are just bumps in the roads. It happens. Um, it's just really annoying. You know, maybe I'm being too harsh, but it really is just annoying, in my opinion, to see that more. Uh, fluff in this episode is where they're exploring more locations in Pittsburgh. There are some very beautiful shots and locations that we get to see, so that's really nice. You know, Anna had finally found her DP, director of photography, Hillary, and she was so excited. She was about to come uh, and fly over to Pittsburgh. Then she drops out last minute because of a former uh, conflict that she was signed. She was signed on to another movie. Anna was like, oh shit, this is not going to happen, which is the same thing that Shane was doing, but she wasn't as, like, negative about it. I don't know. There's just a difference in, like, tone and just, like, aura around both of them where it's, like, I know Anna is, like, really, like, struggling and, and, and you know, not confident, but, like, I also just see this drive in her to want to, like, keep working at it, and that's something that made me more interested in what she was doing. And then skipping down to episode three, mentionable is manageable. After word gets out in Pittsburgh that Shane's script contains raunchy content, locations and casting become more challenging for Shane as he must decide whether to censor himself or deal with the consequences. Anna blocks the producers from her casting session only to experience growing pains as a first-time director working with actors. She also struggles to cast the male lead in her film. So as you can see here from this like little summary, both of the directors are, you know, having their own little tiffs. Um, and this it starts to get a bit juicy here for me personally, because I just love drama, you know what I'm saying? And so there's a lot for me to say about Shane. Um, because no offense to Anna, but she's just like, 
you get, I got invested into her a little bit because of like, I just think that she seemed like she really was just driven for this. But the more you watch, like the more boring it gets because there's no, nothing that really like catches my attention. They're the pacing of these episodes in general are just very slow, very uh, fluffed out and boring. I really don't feel that they needed to be 40 to 50 minutes long per episode. They really could have condensed a lot of it down because again, as I have said earlier, there's just, just way too much shit going on here. Yeah, they're they're casting, they're getting their 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 people together, and Shane is being a complete asshole about it. He is talking about getting minorities and wanting to talk about how that is important. Uh, and, and, and the way he says it is like really weird. And I'm trying not to make too many comparisons to the movie because I'm going to talk more about that later on. But I do want to say that a lot of the minorities that he cast it, casts in his movie or cast it in this movie were caricatures. And they were very racist stereotypes uh, and pretty, they were pretty offensive. Whether he wanted the minorities for that or because he wanted to fill some sort of like quota. Either way, it's still really weird and gross to me personally. Simultaneously, you know, Anna's struggling with the SAG contracts. She wants to bring in a friend actor. And then they finally, we kind of see some more from uh, where they're starting to look, not just for casting, but they're, you know, trying to set up their crew as well. So, you know, both directors are interviewing Shane and Anna were looking at the same costume designers. In this scene, I really want to kind of highlight a little bit to kind of give you some insight as to what people thought of Shane's script before it was even made. So there is some subtle shade from the costume designers. In one scene, they went over to Anna and they were like, I don't even read your script, but I would rather do the costume design for you. And they ended up throwing Shane's script into the trash can. And I was like, oh, that's, damn, that's kind of harsh. But I also, you know, I'm here for it. I will say during the casting process uh, of watching, like, the actors, it was very interesting from both sides. I... Never really saw like an actual like professional casting session. I've only had to do one mediocre one for class. Just kind of seeing how Shane goes over character details with everyone auditioning. I thought that was really interesting. And same thing with Anna. And also like she's having a lot of difficulties. She can't find that like lead actor, right? I personally really did like Anna's final casting better because in what we saw during these sessions, um, auditions, the dialogue was way more interesting to me than it was for Shane's. His is very like cut dry, very boring, exaggerated. Every single one of his his characters or caricatures uh, you see throughout the, the film. Um, and there is a lot of talk about that from the producers where they're like, he is not really putting his movie in a realm of like reality which is not necessarily a bad thing if I'm remembering correctly he said he wanted his film to be similar to movies like American Pie um, I personally don't really like American Pie either I don't like those kind of movies I just don't think they're funny okay um it seems like he grew up watching a lot of that kind of shit Adam Sandler and uh the Amanda show because that is what we see in those that movie like that's all I'm saying 
also one thing that we kind of see in this episode as well is the fact that Anna has a really hard time being able to take full control of her directorial duties. Always goes to her husband Victor and her brother-in-law Philip for advice and to get like a second opinion and that becomes an issue with the producers of the show because they're like well why is she um, going to him it's like as if Victor is you know direct being a backseat director and telling her what to do. I really want to see Anna do her best take control of the situation and be confident in herself and her abilities. It's time for her to be able to go off on her own and not necessarily rely on him. And so now we're seeing the rest of Shane's casting. Uh, Post-casting, he's kind of talking about all of the actors and stuff that he had gotten. And because his film script was so raunchy, it's really hard to find people who are willing to do that. And also, this is in Pittsburgh. The acting pool is going to be a lot smaller than somewhere like LA. Or He becomes a fucking asshole about it. During the casting process, he's thinking that these people are going to suck um, before they even audition just because of the way that they look, that Victor is taking control over her film, and that she needs to learn to trust herself. And again, yes, I definitely agree, right? Um, and then back to Shane. Again, I'm going to be flip-flopping because this is exactly how the episodes look. So Shane, again, is continuing to be an asshole because, again, not many people are wanting to be in the movie. And he says things like they're out-of-work actors, they're Kmart wives. Um, and it really frustrates me because he can't really understand why people in, you know, different locations are pulling out. Um, read your script, buddy. And, uh, you know, he continues and says that the actors, these actors don't have jobs and they should be begging to be in this movie, which again is really fucking shitty, especially coming from him, um, because he does make another comment about how he was an out-of-work actor and, like, he didn't, he had, a, he did all these roles that nobody else wanted to do. Um, but the thing is, is that most actors who are not well-known already have jobs. They have, like, two to three jobs. They're waitressing, they're busing tables, shit like that, just so they can continue working on their dream of becoming an actor. Um, and not, again, not everyone is going to fucking, you know, jump at the chance to be in some gross movie that is going to make them look bad to their friends, their family, and any future producers that possibly hire them during an audition uh, unless they also like that kind of shit I mean ugh. there is to some extent subjectivity in film of course right subjectiveness there's only so much subjectiveness you can have before you have to say this is an undisputable fact that this movie is shit and these are the reasons why Shane doesn't know how to how to take those types of critiques and look outside look from another person's perspective and see, okay, well, maybe we should change this. He's very hell-bent on having things his way or no way, and that creates conflict for the rest of the cast and crew, and it makes it more difficult for people to want to work with him because he doesn't want to listen to criticism. He doesn't want to understand all this, and it's just very annoying and, and weird, in my opinion. Okay, episode four, the ramp up. This one was one of the longer ones. It was about 54 minutes. So as the team heads into their final week of pre-production, casting dilemmas loom for both Shane and Anna. 
table reads for both teams lead to worries about story and if their individual interpretations of Dan Schofer's original script are ready for filming. Honest tension with the documentary crew continues when her husband, Victor, arrives. Executive producer Chris Moore finally secures financing for the production to begin, which is great. It took until fucking episode four. Wow, I mean, that really says a lot. So yeah, so first note I wrote in here was Shane's original goal was to broaden his audience, but he boxed himself in with the content that we see being discussed in this opening scene, uh, the shit-eating, blah, 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 we all know that. Um, they're still struggling with casting, and most main characters are, you know, pretty much secured on Anna's film, which is great. Um, but there is some hesitation from some of the producers on Not Cool uh, for Shane playing his main character and a couple of minor characters. Um, you know, basically the production company from Free Three Door Pictures are like, I don't know if that's like a good idea. And with Anna, we keep bringing up that issue of, you know, working with family and you show, we show that, that we still see that same struggle of Anna still being unsure of herself. Uh, and I believe at this point, Victor's here. Yeah. Yeah, Victor's here. Actually, he's not on the phone anymore. He's actually there. One of my questions really during this episode is why is Victor making these decisions when he isn't even a part of the... And I think that really frustrated me a lot when watching this episode. He really is just taking over. Uh, and I don't like it when, in general, just try to take over a, a complete... like completely take over something and it's very annoying that's happened to me personally and so maybe I'm seeing that as a reflection uh or a projection or whatever but regardless definitely not something that I'm like down with we finally get to see Drew Monson and I actually really like him he's super cute and funny I think the chemistry between Drew and Jeremy which is Shane's main character Tori. Uh, I really think she's a pretty good actress as well. And so, yeah, I stand Drew for sure. I think that's pretty much the meat of this episode is like these test screenings and rehearsals, doing table readings and things like this. One thing I noticed was that on Shane's side, him and Lauren were both over directing the shit out of Jeremy and Drew. Producers had to step pull them aside and be like, hey, you just need to let them do what they're doing and, and then you can come in later with the notes you don't. And so now we are on episode five. We are halfway through, my friends. This episode is called Pictures um and so it is the first day on set for both movies Anna battles confidence issues as she finds herself leaning more on Phil for support and guidance Shane attempts to balance his directing duties with the demands of playing Scott who is not the type of character he is used to playing meanwhile the screenwriter Dan struggles to find a role on both sets and that's what I was talking about earlier about Dan being upset about the script ring being changed and so, yeah, we get to see, like, the, the first day of shooting, which is really interesting. We have Corey Musa being concerned about the acting and directing for Shane and doesn't know how, you know, how Shane doesn't know how to work with, like, crew the right way. It, it, because he, he doesn't really have any experience. He doesn't know that, you know, this is, you can get a lot out of the crew if you learn how to, like, utilize them correctly. With uh, Holidaysburg... 
which is Anna's movie, you know, they have concerns that the movie won't connect with people. I don't necessarily remember why exactly. They're finally able to, you know, see both directors work on set, but well, us as an audience are able to. And I think it's really interesting to see Shane direct and act at the same time, um, just because it seems like it's such like a, you know, a difficult job. Um, I personally could not do that, but, you know, kudos to him for being able to pull that off. They do make a comparison in their, uh, the production room about Nat Cool's character Scott and Heather being very um, similar to the Ryan Reynolds and Anna Ferris dynamic in... I'm trying to think of the movie that Ryan Reynolds was in. I think it was definitely maybe. Uh, and they made, they made that comparison because it doesn't, it still doesn't translate well how both Shane and Heather are into each other because like Heather's character is such a shitty person and Shane's character, Scott, seems like such a nice person and, and genuine and caring. How could he really be that upset about, break, about Heather breaking up with him? And so throughout this episode, I'm not really sure what the shooting days are. Uh, they never really put like a lower third, which I feel like they should have so we can kind of know what days are shooting and what. It's all just like thrown together. It's very confusing for me. Um, they could have done better with that. And so as we see, Anna is really, you know, getting wrapped up in reshooting one scene over and over again, which is really annoying. Uh, you're taking away money that could be spent in post-production. Um, which, you know, especially if you're making a film that, you know, needs some, like, special effects and stuff like that. She's a perfectionist, and she really wants to get the right shot, and I totally understand that. And so, you know, now they talk about Shane and how apparently he doesn't know how to play a popular kid. Or at least he says he doesn't know how to play a popular kid because he wasn't popular. He brings up, you know, his childhood, how he was, you know, in high school, not a lot of people really knew him. He was really fab, you know, and, and just kind of bringing in that, like, emotional kind of, like, tone, I guess, to the show, which to me personally felt flat. I don't know if that's just my inherent bias towards him or whatever. Um, so we actually get to see the scenes being shot behind the scenes, which is really cool and fun. Uh, I always like watching things like that, seeing, you know, how they set shit up and like everything. It's, it's really cool to me, you know, stepping outside of like being immersed in a movie and just kind of seeing it from the outside is pretty awesome. Um, and so, yeah, she pretty much has, like, issues with Chris and Josh, the show producers, because not only are they producing the show, but they're producing both movies. And she feels like she won't be able to get a 100%, you know, truthful kind of help perspective or whatever from the directors because they're also helping Shane uh and that's the, the real difficulty of that because it, they have to be bipartisan right I mean that's something that you really need to think about too you need to have people other people that aren't necessarily producing the, the show come in and help the you know the directors and so that's something I feel like they kind of failed with as well. And so pretty much that's why she was like, I'm going to go and, and hire my own people 
which was Josh, you know, which was her Josh, and, and the other, her, I think it was his wife. Um, and so we get to episode six, moving on. As both films hit the halfway mark in their production, Anna finds it difficult to manage her time on set and make her days. Shane struggles to play the re lead role of Scott, and producers worry that Shane may be resorting to what he knows best. No shit. Obviously. And so we do see, continue to see that pattern of anxiety and low confidence in Anna's video diaries. While then, you know, Shane is really flatlining the character that Dan wrote. And Dan is basically saying that Shane uh, can't match Jeremy acting, which I definitely agree with. Because there's this whole thing where, and I'm going to talk more in depth about this in part two. I think Jeremy has a lot of potential. And she's probably a good actress. And sometimes you get a shitty script that's not written well. You can't really see that ability because it's overshadowed by how fucking shitty the script is. Shane is like not good. He's not a good actor. He's very one note. I'm sorry. He is. He's He talks in a certain way in all of his characters I've noticed. He's got the same kind of punchlines the same kind of like inflection in his voice during certain sentences that he says and things like that. It's it's very like Shane. He is not a um, a character actor. Around episode five and six is when I started getting really bored with Anna's shit because it's like, it's regular shit that you would deal with when filming a movie. You can't film today because it's raining or you have to film quickly because the sun's going to change, whatever. It, it, it happens. It's that's fucking life, bro. Like that's what you get for fucking filming outside. Whereas the producers were like upset with Shane because he didn't want to film outside at all. Uh, which of course, yeah, I mean that really limits your space and it kind of sucks. But hey, what can you do, right? At this point, I was really confused why Dan is trying to direct Shane on his version of Scott during the car scene. Like, why is he? being this like, oh, I think you need to be like this, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of weird. Um, he said that Shane Scott is actually closest to the original script, Scott. Uh, and maybe that's why he's like, so help, like he really wants to like help Shane. Um, but of course, you know, when it comes to Shane, any sort of help critique or whatever is automatically a fucking, you know, is just an insult, which Again, very fucking annoying. Oh my god. My favorite was Zach's face when he walked in to see Shane in his Aunt Hilda makeup. Uh, he was like, he fucking saw him. He stood there. He was like, uh, and then turned around and walked away. And I thought that was fucking hilarious. And then Zach said something to Shane. He says, be mindful of taste which I don't remember what the context of that was for, but I wrote it down. So obviously there's something important about it and I don't remember. Uh, this was a few hours ago and my brain is already fucking fried. It's like 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> and so, yeah, we are on episode seven titled Making Your Days. The productions shoot at two iconic Pittsburgh locations, Heinz Field and Cary Furnace. Fatigue threatens Shane's health and leads to tension with a, his producing partner, Lauren. Anna navigates the difficulties of directing and acting simultaneously. Phil juggles his roles as an actor, co-producer, and brother-in-law. I don't even realize who was the fucking co-producer. I was just like, what? Okay. See, they don't really, diff they don't really make certain roles clear to you, and that's what uh, 
part of the issue that I have with this is that they just don't make it like clear. And so we finally get to see Lisa Schwartz, which was Shane's girlfriend at the time that this series was being made. And so that's cool. And we get a kind of cute little reunion between them. Uh, and then Shane is expressing the fact that he really needs to find someone, a black dude, to show his penis. And I'm just like, okay, but why black? Why? Why does that fucking matter so much? Like, what? what's funny to me is, like, earlier on, they, I know uh, Anna was talking about during the sex scene, they wanted, she wanted to show, like, full nudity, full male nudity. And they were like, no, because you're going to get an NC-17 rating. But meanwhile, you can see this. But I'm guessing it's because it's the difference between a flaccid penis and a hard penis. I don't really get it. I don't understand. I, whatever. I, 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 don't, I don't make NC-17 films, obviously. So what the fuck do I know, right? And so I'm just saying, like, why is there so much emphasis on this dick scene? Like, does it really need to be there? There's, it's fairly fucking stupid. Uh, and, and then they come to this... The snag on set, um, Shane's production team has like two hours of free time, which, uh, you know, they kind of, you know, discuss in the series. They say that that's not good because it's basically poor planning on the scheduler's part and you want to make sure to make the most of your days, right? And so having like two, one, two hours, it's not a good thing. You And, and so they have to like kind of figure out what they're going to do. I don't know. There's this, it gets to the point now where I'm just getting super fucking bored. Uh, and, but there's this one comment that Shane makes about how he decided to make Tori's older sister blind because he wants Tori, you know, to feel like shit because not only is his her sister an overachiever, but it's because she's disabled. And as a disabled person, that really kind of rubs me the wrong way. Uh, I don't get it. Like, um, you know... So not only can she is she better at everything, but she's also better at everything and blind. Like, are you what? What does that even fucking mean? Like, I don't, I don't know. It's just like it was really fucking annoying. Um, but we do see like a minor conflict with a tattoo artist because Shane is filming a part where he gets his ear pierced and blood spurts out, which I don't think really fucking happened. But that's just my opinion. I don't know. And so apparently, you know, a tattoo artist who owns the building was like, yeah, you can uh, film here on this day. And then the night before shooting, she watched some of his videos and had made comments about how racist and homophobic and disgusting his videos were. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And so that was fun to watch. All right. And now we are going to be moving on to episode all right, so episode eight is titled Two Martinis. As both teams reach their final days of production, locations, and time management remain a challenge. Shane's team provides emotional support as he shapes his head and lets go of the hairstyle that has been his YouTube hallmark for years. Honest team pushes through some of the biggest days yet in their schedule, while Anna fights for her way of doing things all the way up to the last tape. Um, yeah, that's a perfect summary. Um, and so, uh, in this episode, Shane is still dealing with this dick situation. Um, because again, literally fucking no one in, um, uh, in Pittsburgh wanted to film that scene. Um, and so now he has to go back to LA and shoot it on green screen 
uh, find some more actors that are willing to do that. I don't know why they're putting so much emphasis on this. I don't know why he needs it so badly. It's just weird to me. I don't like it, but whatever. Lauren wanted to bring in an actual film editor to come and like tighten up some of the, you know, long pauses and things like that just to make it flow and making the make the pacing look so much better. And Shane's like, I don't know about that. I don't I don't like that. And so they kind of have some kind of like scuffle about about that issue. Um and I get it, you know, you want to take control of every aspect of your film, but like as a director, you can't actually do everything when you're, you know, doing a traditional film set. Um, you do get to work side by side with the editor and watch their process and kind of give them notes and do all that. Um, but it's not the same as actually editing the uh, thing. Um, so I totally understand, you know, his perspective on that. It's definitely, it's your baby and it's hard to like let that go, right? Um, and finally, we see Anna getting her shit done. Um, there's really nothing interesting about that. Like she's finally just getting it done. She knows, even though she's still like, has that issue with like perfectionism like we really see that she's at least kind of making some progress on getting all of these scenes filmed in these last couple days because her producers had to come out to her and be like look this is the last couple days we got to get this shit going right uh and so then that this part like i said in the the summary i just read they make it a huge deal about shane's head shaving and i totally understand that as somebody that was a former fan of shane uh, I do, I can see the perspective of like, yeah, this is such a big thing for his audience. Like they know him as Shane long haired dude, right? Yeah, I totally get that. Um, but as like a general audience, um, as somebody my age, 23 years old, who doesn't really give a shit about Shane anymore. Uh, if I look, but if I look at it as a perspective of somebody who's never really watched Shane, I don't understand the emphasis on, you know, putting so much uh, time it was about five to six minutes of them talking about it and I kind of had to skip through because I literally did not give a shit the people who are going to be watching this kind of documentary uh I'm sure there's a percentage of people who watched it that were you know fans of Shane um but not every kid is going to have access to stars it you can't necessarily just go and watch it like on YouTube or whatever so not everybody is going to see it um so if you're looking at it from a perspective of somebody who is uh who does not know who Shane is it's really fucking boring and they're gonna skip through it just like I did. The last day of shooting. And so they are recording or they're filming the Black Friday scene, I believe. And he or no, actually they're actually they're doing the record shop scene. They had built up the vinyl vault, which is Scott's dad's, you know, local record shop in the film. And it was actually the location that they used was an art gallery and the set designer that they had hired on the film did a really good job of making, making it look good and beautiful. And they used some like, they took like random stills, I guess, throughout the docuseries and kind of made little like um, albums based off of that. It was kind of funny. Uh, but Shane was really like talking some shit about the producers and saying, well, like, it looks like sad is probably hanging up in their um their walls at home they're losers that he didn't say they were losers but basically like it fucking sounded like that um and so this is the part where if i was on set i would be fucking upset if i was producing this if i was directing this i'd be so upset so obviously they're filming this up north 
in Philadelphia, right? It's cold up there. It's, it's, uh, it's like a, I don't remember what the months were exactly, but it's regardless of what month of the year it is, it's going to be fucking cold up north, right? Um, and so they found a, the small art gallery and there's only one bathroom that's in the basement that is not, I guess doesn't really, uh, work that well or something. Um, and so they had to find a holding location for the other actors that weren't going to be in the scene or that were going to be coming on you know, later in the day. And the locations manager, Drew, not to be confused with the other Drew who's in the movie, he had found a place across the street that had no working heater and the bathroom was broken. During this scene in particular, Drew was being such an asshole about it and saying, well, they just need to cover their face and get over it. And it's like, dude, this you're putting, this is like not something that you should be an asshole about. Um, because you're putting people's lives at risk. Like, what if they got fucking hypothermia and they had to go to the hospital? You have to pay those bills. You can get sued for something like that. So the fact that he's acting like such a dick on camera for people to see, it's going to make him make it like, it's going to turn people off to wanting to hire him in the future. They're going to see that and be like, uh, yeah, I don't want you because you're, you're a liability. And I totally agree with that. Um, so I really was kind of fucking pissed off about that scene because if I were the director, I would have fired Drew so fucking fast. It wouldn't even be funny. And the producers of the show actually went out and found a fucking church down the street that had heating and a working bathroom. Um, he didn't do his job. I would have, yeah, it's just fucking awful, right? Um, and so now we are on episode nine, The Test. As Anna and Shane begin the lonely process of editing, the burdens of Final Cut become clear. Earlier concerns from producers come back to haunt both movies when Lauren critiques the beats of Shane's story and test audiences are confused by characters in Anna's film. Shane and Anna's potential as directors for hire is scrutinized as they respond to notes. Questions of taste and integrity spark unexpected consequences among the producers. And this episode has a lot of juice in it, let me tell you. There's some there's some piping hot tea. Um, and so it's mainly focused on trying to get test screenings for both movies. You know, there are a lot of... We see a lot of look-throughs of Shane's film. It's about, like, two to three minutes long, the first two to three minutes uh, of the fucking episode after you skip like the recap and the opening credits and stuff like that um and just watching their reactions and seeing certain scenes of the movie i really feel like it was not interesting to me again that's another like example of them just trying to put in fluff to kind of you know fill out the uh 50 minutes of this episode um and after that lauren his producer immediately goes into like hey i really think that you need to tighten up this and this and that and Shane gets pissed off and is like, well, why don't we just talk about the movie itself and, like, why it's good? Tell me what you liked about the movie. Let's just talk about my success. Um, and I'm just like, bro, that's stupid. You're still, you're still working on tightening up this film before you even show it to your test audience, right? You want to make sure it's good enough to see what should be changed. You're getting actual good info from people who are here to help you and you're, and you're just fucking rejecting it. Um, obviously, 
you know, becomes more apparent throughout the series that all he wants is instant gratification. He wants validation. He wants people to say, this is good, this is good, this is good. I like it, I love it, you are such an amazing director, basically is in my mind what he's saying. But when he gets actual critiques, he's like, bro, let's just talk about the good parts. Let's not talk about the bad parts. Let's just talk about how good it is and how good of a director I am. And, and that really like frustrates me as well, right? And then he talks about, they talk, they segue into talking about the test screenings and how traditionally they have, they hire a company to come in and um, do the test screening for you and, and pick a bunch of random people to figure out like what was working in the film, what was not working in the film. And Shane completely rejected that and was like, no, I just want my friends and family to watch it. Which of course, when you do something like that, you're not going to actually get like, um, you're not going to get a 100% a, a, a unbiased review of your movie and you can't fix the issues because you you know your friends and family are going to support you no matter what. That's the truth of the matter. It's, it is what it is. And so I think that is pretty lame of him and, and kind of further supports my idea that he doesn't give a shit about criticism. He doesn't like it. And he just wants the validation for being able to make a feature length film. And so, you know, he is now deflecting and making excuses for the valid critiques of his critiques from his producers where they're still bringing up the idea that it's too slow paced and they're getting they're taking way too long to get to the main characters which if you go back to like the second or third episode of the film I honestly I'm not gonna flip through these pages to look better than Shane is um and then we have Zach Quinto come back um and watch both of the um screenings with the producers these aren't the test screenings yet these are just well, I guess these are producer test screenings where it's just the producers and people that were, you know, executives and things like that to watch the film. And Zach, you know, is talking about both films, says that I would definitely take, you know, my friends and family and buy tickets to go watch Holidaysburg on his movie. Meanwhile, I fucking hate, and this is not verbatim, I fucking hate Shane's movie. Um, he said that Shane's movie made him feel deeply depressed afterwards and he found it really offensive and he wanted to take his name off of the film. So he ended up pulling his name out of the film as one of the producer credits because he does not want to be affiliated with this film. And I totally understand his side and why he decided to do that. Then the other, the rest of the producers are like, well, trying trying to defend Shane and well, it's not that bad. It's, you know, when you think about the process, we, we succeeded in our... our idea of having a docuseries of two people successfully making films. What you think about the film is irrelevant, basically, is what they're saying, but we did succeed in this experiment. And Zach is like, yes, I do agree, but I wasted $850,000 on a, an offensive racist movie. You know, and that's basically what he said. You can go and watch that episode if you want to. Then we finally get to the actual test screenings, and we're watching Shane's test screening first. And you can see in the shots of this test screening area, you can see his friends. You see a lot of the cast members. At one point, you do see Trisha Paytas in the background. Um, and then he's there for the entirety of them watching the movie. And as soon as Lauren goes up to start getting critiques, he leaves the room. And so we have, like, Chris and a couple of the other producers 
you know, step outside and, and ask him, you know, why aren't you, are you going to come and uh, listen to the critiques? And he's just like, no, no. And he's like, why not? And I'm like, because I don't really need to. You know, I, I, I don't I don't need to hear it, which is super fucking weird to me, in my opinion, because like the entire reason that they're doing this is so you can get feedback and know what you need. And so meanwhile, after that, we get to see Anna's test screening and she's sitting there during the entire pro, uh, you know, entire, entire process. And the one main thing that they bring up for her movie is that two of the characters, um, Tori and I believe Tori's sister or, or Heather, I think it's Heather and Tori, apparently the actors look too similar. And a lot of the people in the test screening weren't, uh, didn't, couldn't really differentiate them. And so that kind of brought up a big issue with Honest Team because they're like, well, we can't go back and refilm the entire movie and all that stuff. So it's like, well, how are we going to fix that and make it that, that less of a problem? Unfortunately, that's something you can't really fix because they're on, they already finished their stuff. You can't, there's nothing you can do about it, right? This test screening in particular, they, Chris Moore brought in somebody that did a, that were doing the test screenings for Goodwill Hunting for them back in the day because he was like a producer or something of that movie. And she, you know, conducted, I think her name was Pauline. Pauline had conducted the entire test screening process, asked a lot of questions, got a lot of good feedback, and Anna was just sitting there taking that in. And you can even tell on Anna's face that she's like, upset because she doesn't like hearing that criticism and yeah it is really hard for to hear the criticism you know the critiques whether they're good or well if they're negative even though they're not personally attacking you it is hard to listen to those things and so we make it to the 10th and final episode titled outside the bubble Shane digests producer's notes before receiving unexpected news from Chris Moore. Anna works to clarify the characters in her film. Publicity and marketing for both movies goes underway, revealing dramatic differences in Shane and Anna's experience and perception in the public eye. As both films premiere, critics, audiences, and Chris Moore weigh in on the results of the experiment and the winner is revealed. So this one was a, is kind of interesting to me, even though there were still some like a lot of things that could have been like cut out you know they they cut uh, right to the point with Shane and say that Zach pulled out of his movie and is revoking his producer credits and he's really upset with that and he's still trying to make excuses for why he didn't want to sit in during the test screening and even they even bring up the fact that they sent him every single paper what has all the information of what the people in the audience liked and didn't like even said apparently allegedly to one of the producers that he you're you can send them to me but I'm just gonna throw them away and he just wanted them to give him a summation he says well I'm not gonna read every single page and Lauren was like well I did because it's a they gave some really good you know insight into what they didn't like and I think it's such a good it's a it's a good thing to like look at and he is just being a dick about it. While Anna is talking about how she's working towards gaining a following because, you know, Shane has already established his following. He's been, you know, on the YouTube grind for like over a little over 10 years at this point in this docuseries. You know, she doesn't have that same following that Shane already does. And that's something that she's worried about because part of the factor, one of the factors that goes into determining the winner is how many people you can get to show up to your film. How many, 
you know, what, what the box office sales are going to look like. Um, for somebody like Shane, he's already a big name. I'm sure a bunch of kids can get their parents to buy him tickets and bring him there and watch so they can watch it. Whereas it's an unknown director on Anna's part. Nobody really knows who she is. The cast is relatively unknown and it's, it's not something that looks like I guess would be an interesting film, right? So they have to figure out, well, how are we going to market this because they don't have money in their budget to, you know, but put up billboards and do commercials and ads and stuff like that. So it's really just like trying to figure out the a way to get it to seem interesting. They're getting ready for their premiere, which is a integral part in getting more people to watch the movie because you want uh, journalists and critics to be there to write stuff about your film, right? And to talk about it. And hopefully that becomes enough for more audit for more people to possibly go in and check out the movie and things like that. That's definitely something that you want if you are a, an indie filmmaker. And it's, it's hard to get that kind of shit going. And so we do have some discussion about um, how there is, there ends up being way more people that go to Shane's film uh, instead of Anna's, and they bring up like the first two film, the first two showings for Anna's film were completely packed. After that, nobody was interested in watching it. Whereas there were so many showings of uh, Shane's film that people went to, and so that really tipped the scales in his favor. Uh, and I was, I did watch this YouTube video by Nick Dramio who talks about this series as well. And he says that the only reason it seems that uh, Shane got more people to watch his film was because he was there at almost every single showing. And the showings that he weren't, he wasn't at, nobody really showed up to. Um, so I really think that says a lot about, you know, a lot about that movie itself. I, I don't know about you guys, but it says it a lot. Um, and also in this final episode, Anna and Shane finally get to meet and talk to each other because they never really got to meet one another until uh, during this entire process. So that was pretty cool. Post movie showings, we find out that, you know, Shane's movie was completely eviscerated by uh, film critics. Nobody liked it. They thought it was gross. They even had said things about Chris, uh, Chris Moore and all this shit, um, which... If you watch the movie, I mean, I guess you have to. So at some point, somebody said you had to be like a serial killer rapist to like this movie, which honestly, that made me fucking laugh because that's really funny. <laughs> um, meanwhile, you know, Anna's reviews were way better, way more positive. A lot more critics liked it. The only issue was that nobody went to see it because nobody knows who she is. Um, and so that's pretty much one of the downfalls of the film industry is if you're not established already, whether it's through nepotism or whatever, uh, it's going to be hard to gain traction on your projects, on your films. And that's just the harsh reality of this, uh, you know, this film area. It's hard to get into. It's hard to become successful. You have to know people. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know, unfortunately. And that's just how it is, right? And so we find out the winner is Shane. He's super excited about it. And that's pretty much it for the entire series. That's a wrap for the chair. So basically to sum everything up, I feel that the pacing of this docuseries was very slow. A lot of it was just filler material. And it was just like really, really boring. The main reason is because it's hard to make a 
docu-series about making a movie interesting because a lot of it is just meticulous kind of work. I mean, nobody is really interested in watching people edit and direct a film unless there's some sort of like drama to go with it. And then that would be kind of like destroying the whole point of showing a realistic portrayal of behind the scenes of a movie. With that being said, I don't think this is a good a good docu-series to watch. And also, it really kind of shows you Shane Dawson's tone, the way he talks, the way he thinks. And to me, it just kind of further proves he's kind of a dick, point blank, period. There's no other way that I can say it. Sorry for all you Shane stands out there. He sucks. But anyway, that is going to do it for part one of this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I know it was a little bit boring, a little bit different. I did my best to cut out a lot of shit that was in the original. It was over two hours long. Anyway, make sure, so make sure you follow us on our socials. We have a Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Spaghetti Fic Pod, Spaghetti Fiction Pod. Everything's going to be in the show notes below. And please, if you like this podcast, share it with your friends, share it with your family. We would appreciate it. Thank you guys so much, and I hope that you are having a wonderful holiday season. Bye!